It's not unusual to find plenty of wine caves and wine cellars in wine country. What is unusual is discovering a sophisticated broadcast facility inside these well-protected and often top-secret chambers. But maybe it really isn't that surprising that America's number one wine broadcast originates from the soul of wine country. And it is our great privilege to do all we can to inspire you. If you drink wine simply because, well, it's a drink, we've got our work cut out. For literally thousands of years, wine has fueled celebrations, ended conflicts, and provided the ultimate connection between one human being and another. It makes food taste better, lifts spirits, sparks our imagination, and beckons us to slow down and love life. If that all sounds good to you, you're in the right place. So sit back, clear your head, put any worries you have on hold, and join us as we go in search of this week's Grape Encounter. But be warned, we speak a much different language than what you typically experience in most wine-centric environments. But you didn't come here because you're ordinary, did you? Good, because your host, David Wilson, is here to take you far, far away from the beaten path. Here's David. Well, welcome to another Grape Encounter. Hope you had a great holiday. I know it's weird for a lot of people, weird for me, just a very small gathering, and uh, that's just not the way it normally would be, but alas, we are doing our part to stay healthy. Hurrah, hurrah, a vaccine is around the corner, and you know maybe we can get back to enjoying wine the way we like to enjoy it. I, uh, as you know, own a wine shop, Tasting Room. And yes, once again, they shut us down. It's happened so many times. We've only been able to open that shop for less than two months in the past, like nine months. Can you imagine? <laughs> That's no way to make a living, right? It's been so terrible. But I understand. You know, I don't want to get into the debate about whether we're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. We're just about to the end. And when we get there, I think that all of this will hopefully be a very distant memory. But anyway, it's given me a lot of opportunity to think about a lot of things. And I have to tell you that there have been a couple of things that have been on my mind, and it's been based upon a far less number of experiences with people who come into the wine bar than I normally have just because we're not open that much. And I've really been doing a lot of observing. And of course, I've been doing this for, gosh, at least the wine bar part for going on eight years now. That's a long time. And you get to see thousands of people and you get to make a lot of observations. And I'm glad that I did it. I don't think I'm going to do it forever, but I'm glad that I did it because I have learned so much about you and your wine drinking habits, but I've also learned that we are really, I think, as a culture, really screwing things up where wine is concerned, and we're probably screwing stuff up where food is concerned, and it really deeply troubles me that I think most of you, and I'm going out on a limb here, I think most of you are not getting the enjoyment out of wine that you should be getting. And there are a number of reasons why, but the biggest reason is the number 10. Some people call it the number nine. Let's call it 10. 
What is it? It's a list of the 10 most popular wines in America. And I've got it by volume and I've got it by sales dollars. And it's not too terribly different if you look at those charts. But why this disturbs me so much, this list, is because when somebody walks into the wine shop and I say, what do you like to drink? And they'll look back at me and they'll say, oh, I like uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. And uh, let's see, I like uh, Pinot Noir. Let's see what else. Uh, I like Malbec and I like Syrah and I like Chardonnay. Anyway, they list off usually somewhere between three and five wines that are all on that list of the best 10 list. And very seldom do people mention a varietal that is not on the top 10 list. Now, why is that? Well, the obvious reason is is because it's what we grow the most of, number one. Number two, it's what we promote the most because we know we can sell Chardonnay all day. We know we can sell Cabernet Sauvignon until it's gone. Uh, Pinot Grigio, I don't know why people buy that, but they do. Anyway, I'm going to go down the list. These are the wines that you're drinking, but these are not the wines necessarily that you should be drinking all the time. And then I've got to tell you a little bit more about what goes on with the individual wines that you're drinking and why you need to be a lot more careful when you buy any of these varietals. But let's start from the top. Most popular wine in America. The most popular wine in America is Chardonnay. And the funny thing about Chardonnay is this, is that Today, there are really three Chardonnays, and they're totally different. The first one is the conventional Chardonnay. It is a wine that is very oaky. It is a wine that we call very buttery, and that comes from something called a malolactic fermentation. And for a long time, this was the style of Chardonnays that we made until people started going, wait a second, if I want this much butter, I'll put it on my toast. And so winemakers started pulling back on the oak and the butteriness in Chardonnay. In fact, they pulled it back so far that it became basically non-existent. And instead, we had this crisp, beautiful wine that for a lot of people wasn't even recognizable as a Chardonnay. So then the industry said, well, wait a second, I think we've gone from one extreme to the other extreme, so uh, let's meet somewhere in the middle. And so it came to pass that we started making moderate Chardonnays where a little bit of butter, a little bit of oak, kiss of oak, I'd like to say, and everybody was happy. And so, yes, Chardonnay by volume is by far the largest consumed wine in America. And uh, they've got this in thousands of nine liter cases. I don't know why they do this because in nine liter cases, because it's Nielsen scan data that's doing it. I thought they were an American company. But anyway, Chardonnay is 30,479. You got to multiply that by a thousand. And, um, and that's cases we're talking about. So that's a bunch. And then if you compare that to Cabernet Sauvignon, which is second in line, they are 24,470. 
Okay, that's a pretty significant difference between Chardonnay and Cabernet Sauvignon. And I, I would have thought actually it would be a lot closer. But if you look at it in terms of dollar volume, then it's a completely different story. Cabernet Sauvignon really does a better job than Chardonnay. Well, why is that? Because it costs more. That's the only reason. And then they are followed by Pinot Grigio. And then almost exactly the same amount of volume is consumed of red blends. So we're going to come back and talk about this in just a second. And I'll get into why it is that I think you need to lighten up, why you need to rethink the wines that you're super comfortable with because you're missing out on a lot of fun. And no, I'm not going to just tell you to go drink other wines. I'm going to tell you how to make sure that the wines you are drinking and that you already love are going to be the best that you can enjoy. Also, as I mentioned at the very beginning, I'm going to be talking about our food consumption habits as well and why we've either got it really, really right, some people do, or we're really missing out there as well. I've got some interesting observations about our eating habits and some fine-tuning that we could do that would make eating food just a little bit more fun and adventuresome. So we'll talk about that as well on Grape Encounters. I sure appreciate you joining me today. Just think that in another handful of months, we're all going to be vaccinated and we'll be able to go out and kick up our heels and have a great time. I can't wait to do that. I can't wait to do that with you. So uh, stay with me and we'll get uh, even further into this very interesting topic and one that I should have been getting on my soapbox about a long time ago here on Grape Encounters Radio. Many wine enthusiasts describe wine as a kind of time machine that can transport you to the place and time it was created without leaving home. Whether you're sipping a Sangiovese from Italy or a German Riesling, tasting is traveling. That being said, Total Wine & More is like the world's biggest airport. With more than 8,000 wines from every corner of the world in their stores, you can be incredibly adventurous and savor every journey. Plus, you can do all of your shopping online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order at your local store or curbside for the ultimate in safe shopping. There's always more in store at Total Wine & More. In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia, her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Caria into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, Walnuts and Wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, free-trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. Mm -hmm. 
Summer is here, invigorating our state of mind and sparking desires for things that complement our playful mood. Yep, our barbecues are already working overtime, cranking out slabs of baby backs that pair perfectly with light, crisp summer sippers. And if you need a little inspiration, check out the summer wine list that no one can resist. It's Total Wine & More's Top 12 Summer Wines, featuring a truly eclectic cross-section of wines, all under $20 and many under $10. Plus, Total Wine & More is offering summer wine bundles that save you up to $24 on a variety pack of wine. And now that we've all gotten into curbside buying, you can order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order in the store or just outside for a contactless experience. The best lineup of super low-priced summer wines is just a click away at TotalWine.com. And we are back with Grape Encounters Radio. And I'm just on a bit of a rant today, but it's a good rant. It's definitely in your best interest. I'm talking about this phenomenon that goes on in wine bars and restaurants, even wine shops across the country, probably across the world. You know, people come in and they want to drink some pretty good wine. But then when you ask them what they like, you know, it's always within a group of 10 wines. And the other thing about that group is there are also wines on there that you just plain will not drink because you don't think they're very good because you had a bad experience. I'm going to address that in a second. I'm also going to address a very common eating habit is something that we could learn from when it comes to wine. Well, anyway, I was getting into the list of the most popular 10. We're not going to spend much more time on this, but the top one, Chardonnay, next Cabernet Sauvignon, to be expected. Pinot Grigio, that one always gets me because that's just a wine that I could do without. But on a hot day, a really cold Pinot Grigio, Pinot Gris, it sometimes is called, ain't bad. Very shocking, I guess, to see that the number four most popular wine is actually not a varietal, but it's red blends. And red blends are right up there with Pinot Grigio. And I've been calling this one correctly for a really long time because I've been saying that we needed to drink more blends. Well, I started saying that 15 years ago. And then we just watched as the shelf space for blends grew and grew and grew. And, you know, I think that most blends were created out of a need to correct something that wasn't quite wonderful in a wine. And sometimes we used two and three and maybe even four different wines to get exactly what we wanted. And then it became an art form. At least a lot of people would say that. And you know what? A blend better be good. It just better be good because if you have the opportunity to tune that wine up with all kinds of other things, it better be good. And so I think that that's a category that you would be wise to explore more of because the wines that wind up being red blends have had a lot of, I think, very positive manipulation foisted upon them. 
And most of the time, it's they're pretty fun, I think. You know, I, I find a lot fewer red blends offensive than I do other wines. Okay, number five down the list is Merlot. And there was a time when Merlot was much further up that list, but Merlot took a hit after Sideways. I've talked about it so much, it's not something you want to hear about again, I suppose. But I will tell you that after the movie Sideways popularized Pinot Noir, which you notice is not as big as Merlot, they started pulling out Merlot vines like mad because nobody could make any money off of them. But those who were doing it for the love of Merlot kept those vines growing and kept making great Merlots. And I have told you this before, but if you've never heard me say it, I'll say it now. This is the golden age of Merlot. There has never been a time when there's been so much delicious, amazing Merlot. Remember, Merlot is in the Bordeaux family. You know, it's right there next to Cabernet Sauvignon, and it's different, but a lot of the same characteristics that you love about Cabernet Sauvignon you'll find in Merlot. So drink more of it. Now, this is going down to number six. Here's a wine that I frankly am getting more and more fond of by the year. I see more and more people calling for it. You're seeing more and more of it being made. And it's it's just a fun wine, right? It's Muscat or Moscato. And yes, it's sweet. It's going to be sweet. And most of the time, it's going to be frizzante. And that's not like bubbles like you would find in champagne, but, you know, a little fizz to it. I like to call it a fun fizz. I'm telling you, I love these wines, Moscatos, and maybe my serious wine drinking friends are going to tar and feather me for saying this, but I don't really care. If you want just something delicious to sip on and make it your dessert, if you like, you want to just sit out in the hot sun, drink a little Moscato. It's beautiful. Now, I said it. (laughs) All right. This is funny because Moscato, in terms of volume sales, actually outpaces the next wine, which you would think would be way up the list, but it isn't. Any guesses? Guesses. Anybody? Yes. You in the back. Pinot Noir. (laughs) Pinot Noir is like number seven on the list. You would think with all of the publicity that it's gotten that Pinot would be further up the list, but it is not. Alas. And again, I will tell you something that I am not ashamed of, and that is I don't buy Pinot. I have had plenty of Pinots that I think are pretty delicious, but it's really not my thing. It's like if you don't eat lamb, okay? No amount of coercing is going to get you probably to eat lamb, especially if you're squeamish about a little lamb. But if you're not squeamish, maybe you'll try it once in a while, and maybe once in a while you'll go, oh, wow, that's really pretty good. Uh, Number eight, Sauvignon Blanc or Fumé Blanc. There are the Sauvignon Blancs that you'll find from places like California and probably Washington and Oregon. We do it so well in California. They're so delicious. But if you are not a Sauvignon Blanc fan, buy a Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand because it's going to be totally different. It's going to be brighter and lighter and fun. And don't compare it to California Sauvignon Blancs. It's just not the same. Let's see. Next down the list, I thought this wine had all but disappeared, but it has not. It is White Zinfandel. 
And I used to make a lot of fun of white Zinfandel. I don't do it anymore because some of my friends uh, who are really trusted wine enthusiasts like to drink it under certain circumstances, one of which is with sushi. And I have tried it since it was recommended to me. I like it. I'll drink it. It's fun. I put it up there with Muscat, Moscato, because it's just sweet and fun. Now, let's see. I covered one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Last on the list is Rosé or Rosé Blends is how they have it listed here. Are, uh, are so popular now, and rosés are really misunderstood because so many people will say to me, oh, I don't like rosé, and I will have to set them straight because if you don't like rosé, you haven't had enough rosé. And there's so much rosé out there to experiment with at just really bargain basement prices that it would be a shame for you not to get into rosé. Here's uh, five honorable mentions, and then we're going to come back and get a little more into detail about what you should really do as you get into these wines and other wines to make sure that you're having the best wine experience possible. But uh, five more, White Blends, Riesling, really misunderstood, Malbec, and then Syrah needs to be way further up the list, as does Zinfandel, but they, alas, come in in position 14 and 15. All right. I appreciate you sticking with me, and uh, maybe you learned something that you didn't know about some of the wines that you're drinking, and maybe you'll get a few bits of inspiration about how you might tackle wine enjoyment in the future here on Grape Encounters Radio. that there's a lot more going on in the world of Grape Encounters than what you hear each week on the radio show? If your answer is no, it means that you're not as plugged into our wild, wacky, and wonderful world of wine. But we can fix that right now. I really want to share a lot more with you than what we're able to do during the weekly show, like wine recommendations, interesting ways you can play with your wine, information about upcoming wine happenings, and even recipes I've developed just for you. There are two things you can do to get plugged in. First, join the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook. Make sure it's the group page. Or you can sign up for our mailing list at GrapeEncounters.com. In coming weeks, I'll be doing giveaways, offering free online parties exclusively for you, and a lot more. Please, don't miss out. Connect with me on Facebook or at GrapeEncounters.com. Words can be very confusing. When you're crazy, people say that you're nuts. But what if you're crazy about nuts? Well, that doesn't mean that you should be sent to the funny farm. It means that you should be sent to the farm of MM Organics, the producers of organic heirloom walnuts and walnut products that are so incomparably unique and delicious, other nuts will be reduced to wallflowers. Whoops, there we go with those crazy meanings of words again. After all, if being a wallflower means disappearing into the background, then why does being a walnut from MM Organics mean standing out from the rest? Confused? Well, you won't be when you discover the glorious deliciousness of walnut halves, baking pieces, fair trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and other scrumptious walnut products from MM Organics. Learn more and order yours at mmorganics.com, where you'll also find our utterly irresistible two-horse Portuguese dessert wine that everyone goes nuts for. Get crazy at mmorganics.com. 
We're back with more Grape Encounters. Hey, please do us an enormous favor and like us on Facebook. It's the very best way to learn about other opportunities that we may not share on the broadcast. Also, join our mailing list on GrapeEncounters.com. Listeners on our contact list receive some exclusive opportunities. Become an insider. Enough said. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. All right, the big question of the day is, are you thinking about what you're drinking? And what started this whole line of thought for me is something that's been going on for a really long time. I opened up a wine shop close to eight years ago, and naturally when people come in and they're You know, some people will come in and say, I'm looking for this or that. But most people kind of want you to carry the ball for them. And you do have to do a little feeling out to try to understand what it is that they like. So you can start steering them toward wines that are going to be delicious. It doesn't always work out that the information that they give you to help them find wine is going to be valuable because so many times they'll list four and five wines that are so far from one another. They're just, there's nothing about them that are alike. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that when you say that you're a lover of Pinot and a lover of Cabernet, I'm going to say uh, that's unlikely. Because those wines are so different, and I know among my friends and people in the wine industry that if you're a Pinot person, you're probably not a Cabernet Sauvignon person, and vice versa. Now, is that to say that there aren't lots and lots of wine enthusiasts out there that like them? Well, of course, and there are winemakers that make both of them. But the point is, is that when you come in and you point to five different wines that are just all over the board It's really difficult to try to rein things in and try to figure out what the right wine is for you. We could probably kind of average those wines, perhaps, and find you something. But I think that when people walk into a wine shop or a a wine tasting room, that they sometimes are a little paralyzed and they're afraid to let somebody see that they don't maybe have as much information as they wish they did. And this is something you've got to get over. There are no people really that matter that are going to make you feel bad. And if anything, those old stuffy sommeliers, they're gone. You know, half of them are dead. They've disappeared a long time ago. And now we have a lot of really cool hip sommeliers that can help you out. Real cool hip people that are opening up wine bars and shops and tasting rooms and young winemakers. And we're we're all eager to help you, to guide you. We're here for you. So the problem that I see is this, is that you're bombarded with information about the Big Ten, but the, the leading wines, we know the names of them for the most part, Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, Pinot Grigio, Red Blends, Merlot, Moscato, Pinot Noir, Sauvignon Blanc, White Zinfandel, Rosés. Yeah, great wines like Syrah and Zinfandel just don't appear very far up the list. And the truth is, Americans love Zinfandel. Americans love Syrah. Why? Because they're big and beautiful and and juicy and delicious and We tend to like our wines fruit forward. Now, this is something that you have to come to terms with. 
do you like to taste a lot of fruitiness in your wine or do you just like it to be bone dry? Do you like it to feel like you've got the Sahara in your mouth? A lot of people love that sensation and there are lots of wines that will give you that sensation. But if you're really about the sweet, but just that juiciness, that presence of fruit that makes you happier, you've got to steer away from a lot of the really tannic wines that are, are not going to make you happy and instead migrate toward wines that have a little bit more fruit that is apparent in the wine. And the person in the wine shop is going to help you do that. Okay. Let's talk about the wines that we don't talk about for a minute. And there, gosh, there are so many. And it's troubling to me that people don't want to experiment too much because again, you know, if a wine is 30 or $40 and you open it up and you don't love it, then you're going to be out of luck, right? So you want to try to enjoy some wines that have a great track record and that are really popular, maybe in other parts of the world and maybe less popular here. But let's talk about a few of them, okay? One of them is Barbera, is a wine that I absolutely love. You see more of it here, but we don't drink a lot of it. A wine that I talk about a lot is Cabernet Franc. It is a, a more medium-bodied wine compared to Cabernet Sauvignon, which is a full-bodied red wine, but they taste really similar. So, you know, here's a little factoid. If you like Cabernet Sauvignon, but it's a little bit big for you, go over to Cabernet Franc. It's actually the father of Cabernet Sauvignon. And don't forget in the same category, the Merlot, which is the cousin of Cabernet Sauvignon. They are Bordeaux wines that are from the same family and, ha and share a lot of the same qualities, but are different in distinct ways. Now, that being said, Malbec is a wonderful Bordeaux wine, but it's full-bodied. And you can drink Malbec and experiment with Malbec until the cows come home because Argentina makes a plethora of Malbecs and they're really good. And I'll tell you this too, by the way, if you spend more than $20 on a Malbec, chances are it's going to be pretty darn good. So uh, what are some of the others that you ought to be looking at? Let's see. Carmenier is a, a wine that you don't see too much of around, but it's uh, medium bodied. Also medium bodied is Grenache, but I will warn you about Grenache. Okay. We're not drinking nearly as much Grenache as we probably should. But the days of Grenache being made as a medium-bodied red wine are, I think, numbered because there are some much more substantial Grenache wines being made that are pretty thick and viscous and dense and juicy and delicious. If you like just really pleasant, nice-tasting wine with lots of fruit that's not too over-the-top Grenache is where you want to go. Let's see, I've spoken about Merlot. You know how I feel about that. Multipulciano is uh, an Italian varietal, uh, some of it grown here, but not that much. But you can get it from Italy at a reasonable price. Um, next thing that I really want to steer, steer you toward are Rhone blends, okay? Um, most people have heard probably the term Chateauneuf de Pop. And that is basically a blend that's made in France. We make basically the same blend here in the States. And especially on the central coast of California, you see 
basically what is a Chateauneuf to pop, but it is generally called a GSM. GSM. That is Grenache, Syrah, Mouvedre, or some people just say Mouvedre. Okay? Delicious. I can tell you this, that when people come into my wine shop and they're not sure what they like, but they want a red wine, the first place I'm going to start them is with a GSM because it's not going to be over the top, but it is absolutely going to be delicious. They're doing such a good job making these wines. They're just a great place to send people who are unsure. So that's your homework assignment. If you're going to explore some new wines, go look for a GSM. It's also a Chateauneuf de Pop, but we we don't call it that here. Some other wines, uh, some big ones I'll, I'll mention really quick. Uh, Petite Syrah, Petite Verdot, uh, Syrah by itself, and Tempranillo. These are all big, full-bodied red wines and just full of flavor. Get out there and try them. And uh, speaking of trying things, I'm going to share with you my thoughts about why we drink wine differently than we eat food and why we could learn a little bit from our food-eating habits. That next on Grape Encounters Radio. This is the time of year when leaves and wardrobes aren't the only thing that change color. Wine preferences tend to darken up. Cold, crisp whites are already making way for fall favorites like Pinot Noir and luscious California Zin. Tropically tinted New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs won't migrate south just yet, and rosés will also remain resilient well into turkey time. But folks like me who've enjoyed lighter fare in the backyard all summer will venture out and take a cab almost everywhere we go. Now, there's no doubt about this fall phenomenon. It's a time when wine enthusiasts get more adventurous and try things outside of their comfort zone. And if your comfort zone could use a little reimagination, let the experts at Total Wine & More show you just how much adventure there is to discover among their inventory of 8,000 or more wines in every store. You can still enjoy their legendary customer experience in-store or make an evening of exploring the world of wine from the comfort of your cozy couch. Load up your shopping cart, stop by the store, and Total Wine will rush your order to curbside. Once you immerse yourself into an online Total Wine discovery mission, you'll quickly fall in love with the incomparable wines you can access so easily and affordably. See what I mean at TotalWine.com. If you're a frequent Grape Encounters radio listener, you know that our show is all about inclusiveness. For far too long, wine consumers have felt left out, simply because a small minority of, well, let's call them out, wine snobs have dominated the conversation. For 12 years, it's been my mission to give you, the wine enthusiasts that just want to have fun, a front row seat to everything that's cool about wine. And while we have a very intimate thing going on here, I've been thinking that we can take things where no radio or TV program has gone before. And so beginning next week, I'm inviting you and your friends to get together with me for a private online party. This isn't a big streaming free-for-all event. It's you, me, and your guests. You decide what you want to talk about, we'll set a time, then it's party time. So email me using the contact form at GrapeEncounters.com. Tell me a little bit about how we can make this fun for you, and I'll respond to as many requests as I can. 
just drop me a note at GrapeEncounters.com. Even though I spend almost every waking hour trying to track down all things wine, Total Wine & More is impossible to keep up with. That's because they have a team of experts constantly searching every corner of the world for amazing wines priced so you can enjoy them on any occasion, like tomorrow. They're always busy forging relationships with the best producers so that they're able to provide exceptional wines that are exciting and new to you at incredible savings. And of course, your faves will be there too. New discoveries, must-have favorites, and more than 8,000 choices to explore online with your handy device while you soak up some shade. Visit Total Wine & More in person, or if you prefer a contactless experience, order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order in the store or curbside. And for awesome summer wines, all under $20 and many under $10, be sure to check out their summer wines list at TotalWine.com. All right, having a grape encounter here today, but we're going to talk a little bit about food right now because there is this thing that we do when it comes to food. It drives me absolutely nuts. I just sometimes I want to choke people who do this. But as I think about it, I realize that if we practiced this same habit with wine, the things would be a whole lot better in my opinion. And what I'm talking about is our absolute resistance to having the same thing we had on Monday, on Tuesday, or on Tuesday, on Wednesday. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you went out for Italian food on Sunday night, which I love doing, by the way. And then uh, the next day comes along and you're sitting around with the family or something and the subject comes up. Hey, what do we want to eat? Hey, let's call out for a pizza. What? We can't have a pizza. We had Italian food last night. Well, you might not have had pizza. (laughs) You might have had, I don't know, chicken piccata or chicken parmesan or maybe you had lasagna or something, but it wasn't pizza. But the fact that it was Italian makes you very reluctant to order that food again. We are obsessed with this habit. At least I think most people are. You know, if you had Chinese food on Wednesday, you're not going to have Chinese. You might not have Chinese food for a week because somebody's going to say, oh man, you know, we just had Chinese food on Wednesday. The thing is, is Wednesday night when you left the Chinese restaurant, you're all going, man, that was good. I don't know why we don't go there more often, but yet you're not going to go there Wednesday and Thursday, are you? You may not go back to that Chinese restaurant for a month because we Americans, we have to be diversified. We can't eat the same thing two days in a row, but yet it's really funny In some respects, we actually are eating the same thing a couple of days in a row. We just don't realize we're doing it. And I'm going to explain that in just a second. So bear with me. Hold that thought. But let's talk about wine for a second. Now, we've been talking about the Big Ten, the wines that everybody knows, the same wines that, you know, we've been drinking. And for the most part, actually, our parents have been drinking as well. Maybe some exceptions. They weren't drinking so many red blends and they weren't drinking nearly as much Pinot Noir. But, you know, it's been kind of the same popular wines for at least recent history. The thing is, is that, yes, the Big Ten encompasses probably 95% of all the wines that we consume, but there are 
like 20,000 different wine varietals out there. This isn't even the tip of the iceberg. This is a little granule of ice on the tip of the iceberg in terms of what wines we're drinking and how much we really are actually exploring. And so uh, going back to the idea of food and how we love to have variety on the menu where food is concerned, you know, Chinese on Monday, Italian on Tuesday, Greek food on Wednesday, hamburgers and fries on Thursday, whatever it might be, but it's always something different, isn't it? But with wine, it tends to be the same so often. You feel comfortable with uh, Merlot or you feel comfortable with Sauvignon Blanc and you don't don't want to venture out too far. A lot of it is price driven. And the sad thing is that many of us, we have to keep our budget down. So we're buying discounted wines and how bad could it be? It says Napa on the label, but it's not Napa's best. It's not Napa's finest. And if you think that that $10 bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon that you pulled out of a clearance box at a liquor store or someplace else, if you think it's representative of what Cabernet Sauvignon is, it's not, which is why sometimes you're going to have to go out and probably bite the bullet and try some of the more pricey wines. But I will tell you this, that if you do your research, you will find some great wines that in many ways emulate the expensive wines that I'm talking about, and they do it much more cheaply. I mentioned uh, earlier Malbec from Argentina. Gosh, if you spend 20 or $30 on a bottle of Malbec, you will be very surprised at how good that wine is. So it's just a matter of figuring out what are the qualities in wines that you like and then finding wines, if money is an issue, that you can drink for, for less money. But also going out and discovering wines that you have not tried before because there are 20,000 of them out there. And guess what? They're really easy to find now because places like Total Wine and More, you know, they've got 8,000 wines in there. And if you want to try something that's really super different, like say, for instance, Tanat. I love this wine. Every time I open up a bottle of Tanat for somebody, they'll go, what is that? I want to drink more of that Tanat. We'll drink it Tanat and we'll even drink it tomorrow not. But <laughs> anyway, but let's also talk about the similarity in food that actually is often the case, even though we think we're really changing it up. So let's go to Italian for a second. You like lasagna. What's lasagna? Lasagna's got the pasta, which is the starch. It's got tomatoes for sure. It's got cheese for sure. And it's got some kind of a protein in there. So let's go next door to the Mexican restaurant for a second. The enchilada. What has it got in it? It's got cheese. It's got the starch, this time a corn tortilla. It's got a tomato sauce. And it's got the protein. You'd be really surprised at how simple similar foods that don't seem similar are. What about a hamburger? You got the bun. It's the starch. It's got the cheese on there. It's got the protein on there. And it's got tomatoes on there and tomato ketchup. You notice the similarity? They're the same thing. They're made up of the same ingredients. And I'm telling you this because if you can boil your taste down to the things that you really enjoy, in this example, tomatoes, cheese, 
starch, protein, and do the same with wine. I like fruit forward. I like high alcohol. I like tannic. And get those characteristics down pat. Then when you walk into a wine shop and want something delicious, we can help you. And it's not just the same old, same old. And you have become a true wine enthusiast. I sure appreciate you being with me. And maybe I'm ranting a little bit today, but I want you to get the most out of your wine experiences. You need to have really, truly wonderful grape encounters. This edition of Grape Encounters has been brought to you by Total Wine and More. When Total Wine and More challenged themselves to keep more than 8,000 wines on hand, they pioneered a consumer experience that 99.999% of the population would have thought was impossible. It was an undertaking that I still can't totally get my arms around today. But I've spent many hours of my personal time being that adult kid in a candy store, using my mouse to learn about their extremely affordable top 20 wines of the year, or learning eye-opening details about the iconic winemakers behind Total Wine's Legends of Wine collection. TotalWine.com is an online resource so rich with content, it's hard to imagine a more satisfying wine-related experience. Spend all the time you want at TotalWine.com or at your nearest store. Just make sure you're back here with me at this same time next week for another Grape Encounter. 